Hello and welcome to the Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. Okay, we're back. And this time we're joined by one of the world's leading experts on human performance. He is a New York Times bestselling author, award-winning journalist and executive director of the Flow Research Collective. Obviously, we are talking about Stephen Kotler. So Stephen, firstly, thanks for joining on this podcast. It's good to be with you. Key question. Right. So a lot of people have heard about flow states and might be familiar with the overall topic. What I want to understand here is how do you define what it actually means to be in flow state? Because people have different definitions. How do you define it? People may have different definitions, but in this particular case, they're wrong. Like that's just like science has very crisply define the state of flow. One thing you've got to start with, there's a psychological definition that we'll cover. There's also a neurobiological definition, which we won't have time to go into all the details of, but I'll poke at it. Psychologists define flow as an optimal state of consciousness where we feel our best and perform our best. Next level down, they say, okay, how do you know you're in a state of flow? What is it exactly? There are six core phenomenological characteristics that arise in flow, meaning six ways the state makes us feel. Complete concentration on the task at hand, the merger of action and awareness, the diminishment of our sense of self, time dilation, right, which is a fancy way of saying time passes strangely, it speeds up or it slows down. Uh, there's a sense of control. This reflects the fact that performance goes through the roof. We don't feel the performance accelerate. What we feel is, oh, wow, I can control things I can't normally control. And finally, they said the experience is autotelic. That means an end in itself. It means the experience is so pleasurable, so euphoric, so joyous, or as I like to say, so damn addictive that people will go extremely far out of the way to get more and more and more of it. So when we measure flow, we say, okay, you had an experience. How much of those six characteristics showed up? If they only showed up and they were dialed down to like one or two, you were in microflow. So this is very familiar. This is you go to work, you sit down to write a quick email to your boss. You look up an hour later, you've written an entire essay, and maybe your sense of self didn't totally disappear, but bodily awareness diminished. When you pop back in consciousness, you're like, oh, wow, I really have to run to the bathroom. That's really, that's microflow. Other side of the spectrum, macroflow. All those experiences show up. They're turned up to 11. While we understand the neurobiology of this now, you can have out-of-body experiences when that happens. You can very often feel oneness with everything or usually oneness with whatever you happen to be focused on. And uh, so that's macro flow. And that's, so that, that's how psychologists define flow. From a neurobiological perspective, which is predominantly the work that I, I've been involved in for the past 20 years, we now define flow by six or seven different shifts in brain function. We just at the Flow Research Collective finished a, uh, a couple year project looking at the neural dynamics of flow state onset. So what goes on in the brain during the, essentially what is the first two seconds of flow? There's a lot of signals in there. And then we've now taken it to the point, and by we, I went from the Flow Research Collective to like we, all the flow scientists in the world, of which there are thousands at this point, have figured out there's a bunch of physiological correlates. So uh, there's some data that says frowning muscles are deactivated in flow and smile muscles are hyperactive in flow. It's been defined neurophysiologically 
quite robustly. There's not an agreed upon, this is the exact neurobiological signature flow, which is essentially my life's mission. But we're getting closer and closer and closer. And there's a, there's a ton of more information than there was, say, 15 years ago. You kept saying that's the neurobiological definition of flow. There is no denying it. But obviously, when people experience flow, they're not thinking about it. You know, you're a common person. What is a super common experience that someone is going to know that they're in flow? Like, is that super common? Does everyone know that they're on flow at the time? Or is it on reflection when they've come out of flow? On the training side of this, a lot of the work, especially at the front end of the work, is about learning to identify, oh, I'm in microflow. Okay, proper application of the following tools and techniques will move microflow into macroflow. It's difficult because, though I think we're getting closer and closer to this, nobody really knows. There's a line somewhere, right, that goes from focus to engagement, right, to absorption to flow. And there's different neurobiological signatures underneath each of those states, but it's really subtle. And what exactly, and there's a lot of different things that people are pointing at and saying, oh, we think this is what that we're looking at, but it's probably not any one thing, and it could be different in each individual. Also, um, I don't know about that one yet. So that's one of the reasons it's tricky, but you can very easily identify it. People start to notice time dilation, right? I haven't noticed time passing. You certainly, in breaks, you notice the diminishment of self because you notice as your self sort of disappears, stress hormones will flush out of your system right? And the inner critic goes quiet. Same thing happens when we start to experience time dilation. Most of our fears are not present tense. So if I, what happens as we move into flow is large portions of the prefrontal cortex deactivate. This shuts off our ability to separate past from present from future. We're plunged into what researchers talk about as the deep now or the elongated present. And most of our anxieties are there's stuff that happened before we'd like to avoid in the future. It's scary stuff that happened in the past that we want to avoid in the present. If I remove past and future, stress levels plummet. There tends to be a release of nitric oxide, which flushes most of the stress hormones out of our system. That may not be 100% in flow, though there's more and more research piling up that shows it might be. So that uh, has a profound shift on our experience. Those are a couple of ways to start noticing it. But it, you know, complete concentration of the task at hand and absorption in the task at hand is the signature flow experience. There are a bunch of neurobiological changes that happen in flow. You get, as I mentioned, transient hypofrontality. You also get some combination of five or six very potent performance-enhancing neurochemicals, dopamine, a little bit of norepinephrine, uh, anandamide, endorphins, etc. And what we have discovered is that you can loosely mimic a flow state with the following protocol. 20 minutes of exercise will create are exercise-induced transient hypofrontality. So you've all gone to the gym, you work out for about 20, 25 minutes, your lungs open up and it gets quiet upstairs. That's transient hypofrontality. The deactivation of the prefrontal cortex when your lungs open up, that's the nitric oxide pushing uh, that stuff out of your system that I talked about earlier. Once you take yourself there, if you drink a cup of coffee, caffeine seems to help here, and then follow that with sativa, you can, and it is not 100% effective because there's a lot about where is your mindset before you do. There's a lot of other stuff, but you can essentially artificially mimic most of the conditions of micro to macro flow, depending on how much pot you tend to smoke. If this, By the way, if you're not a regular pot smoker and you're a total novice, this is going to work for you at all. 
the pot is going to be way too strong. It's going to block flow. You'll get a fear reaction. It, it won't work. But if you're a regular pot smoker, and what you're really looking for is that dopamine push. That's why I said sativa. Some people argue that all sativas have dopamine on the front end and no indicas do. That was the older definition. There's a, now a bunch of new science that says, hey, maybe it's not the strain of marijuana. Maybe it's the terpenes. And so there's a bunch of people saying limonene and mycene and things like this are heavy on dopamine. I might have gotten those wrong, by the way. I'm not an expert on terpenes and what neurochemicals they release. Um, but so there's, there's, there's been a bunch of work that way. We've been involved in a project looking at CBD and flow. Does it have to be THC? Can you use CBD? Is there a non-psychoactive way to do this? We've been poking at that. It's not really the work we do. I don't tend to, at the Flow Research Collective, I'm not particularly interested as much in uh, pharmacological or technological solutions to peak performance predominantly because I want something that's reliable and repeatable. It's going to work for everybody in every situation, no matter what. And if that's the case, you sort of want shared evolutionary neurobiology and substances are iffy. And also, you know, when your boss says, hey, Dan, get in here. I need next week's presentation. I need it now. And your job depends on it. And the future of the world depends on it. You know, there's no time to, oh, let me, you know, apply this substance or this technology and tune my brain. So I can write you like you need something that's going to work right there, right then. I don't tend to think that way. It's not tends to be the work we do, but it's interesting from a research perspective. And we've certainly been studying it. And we're actually about to put out this year, a really big paper. It's, I think it's the first major paper on flow in the endocannabinoid system. So uh, our dad, we're going to start talking about some of this out loud soon. So, you know, you just used an extreme example, but that's perfect, actually. Let's jump on that. So your publisher goes, hey, Stephen, I need these, these words done, you know, tomorrow or you're fired. Or some real world example that anyone listening can relate to. Can you force yourself into flow in a panic like that? I've been in that situation a handful of times, especially when I was a journalist, and my answer is no. Now, some people can. If the request comes in early the night before, and I can get up at my normal writing time at 4 a.m. and devote that, it's a maybe. But the, when the request for me has come in later in the day, I have a very regular sleep schedule and you cannot fight lack of sleep to get into flow. The research is really clear that you need about seven, eight hours of sleep a night to you know, regularly drop into flow. It's a peak performance state. It's a high energy state, and the brain needs seven, eight hours of sleep a night pretty much across the boards. The flow states have triggers, preconditions that lead to more flow. They all essentially work by driving attention to the present moment. They do it a bunch of different ways. They drive dopamine, they drive norepinephrine, they lower cognitive load, they do some combination of those things. But the most important trigger is known as the challenge skills balance. I pay the most attention at the task at hand, meaning it has the greatest chance of driving me into flow, when the challenge of the task slightly exceeds my skill set. I want to stretch, but not snap. Too much, too much norepinephrine, too much cortisol, too much stress hormones, you're going to absolutely block flow. If you come to me with a request that is going to demand flow for me to pull it off, and I know you've just kicked me way out of the challenge skills balance late in the day when I don't, that's not my normal work schedule and how, the answer is no. Like, I don't even kid around. I'm like, no, I can't do this. This is not how I work at my best. And if you want my best work, don't put me in this situation. And if you don't want my best work, then I don't want to work for you. 
one of the things that I have discovered as I get older is I don't try to fake it anymore. I know when I can perform my absolute best. I know when I can drop into flow, and I know when I can't. And the other thing is trying to exhaust myself, staying up all night, trying to meet some editor's crazy deadline for whatever reason. Sorry, not my problem. You don't get to make problems in my life. That's another one of my rules. And a lot of it is... I want to keep the challenge skills balanced. I want to try to stay as much as I can in that sweet spot at all times, which means if you're going to make problems in my life, I'm going to invite you to make them. Otherwise, I'm not going to play that way because autonomy is a really important flow trigger as well. And you can't fake that autonomy and attention are coupled systems. So if you don't feel like you're in control every now and again, you can sort of bend if you really want to. But if you put me in an impossible situation, there's nothing I can do. Like you've just stacked the deck against me. and I'm not going to lie. Uh, what are your non-negotiables? So from what I've understood so far, sleep is a non-negotiable and so is being in control. It's not even so much my non-negotiables. The science of flow of peak performance is really clear. There's like six positive psychology basics that you need to maintain to perform at your best over time. You need seven, eight hours of sleep a night. You need good hydration, good nutrition. You need robust social support. You need some way of tuning the nervous system every day, of calming down every day. We usually say, if you've got no time, do a five-minute gratitude practice. If you have a little more time, do 11 minutes of focused meditation. If you have more time, do 20 to 40 minutes of exercise or exercise until you get to exercise-induced transient hypofrontality because that'll flush the stress hormones out of your system. Normal conditions, we say do one of those every day. If you're stressed out, do two or three. Where can people um, help and contribute to the work that you're doing at the Flow Research Collective? Is there something that we can do to help participate? What I always say is whoever you are, you have expertise somewhere. You got There's something you do that you're probably really great at. And that alone tells us you can make a contribution. But to make that contribution, I always say cognitive literacy, understanding the language of science is where you have to start. Science is the shared common global language. So Start with a book like The Art of Impossible, you know, my, new, my most recent book that lays out, hey, this is, the, this is the language of science. This is the shared common language. And once you have that language, then take it back to what your expertise is at and run experiments and bring back your knowledge for the rest of us. But you have to, in my opinion, start with the shared common language of science. And you could find us, by the way, flowresearchcollective.com. StephenCollar.com is me. If you're interested, there's tons of free videos and such on, on the website. Perfect. And as you've just teed it up, we are discussing your new book, The Art of the Impossible, in the next episode. So we'll see you then, Stephen. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and follow us at your heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. If you want to know more about how healthy your brain is, you can head to yourheights.com forward slash brain health to get your free score from one to a hundred. See you next time. Mm-hmm.